Good morning, Covenant College. Good morning. Oh, that was so good. It's wonderful to see your faces in chapel. Uh, quick announcement. I'm not going to do it in operatic fashion. Uh, McCray Zellner and the Multicultural Program is hosting a jazz and poetry night in celebration of Black History Month at 7.30 p.m. tonight. Down in the Kirk. Come and listen to poetry shared by students and music from the jazz ensemble. There will also be desserts served uh, by Herman's Soul Food and Catering. So that's tonight, 7.30. All right, so while you guys were away on Christmas break, I had a birthday. And it was a big one. So I'm officially grown up now. And uh, it made me feel reflective uh, as one uh, gets when one gets to a milestone birthday. Um, And also made me thankful for the many blessings that I have experienced in my life, one of which I want to talk about today. So uh, question, how many friends do you have? Uh, I got off of Facebook almost two years ago, but I logged back on last night just to see how many friends I have. I have 2,568 which uh, that's, that strikes me as preposterous. Um, according to Snapchat, I have zero friends because I'm not on Snapchat. Uh, I'd like to think that's also preposterous. Uh, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, I think that disparity in my number of friends naturally invites uh, the question, uh, what do we mean when we say friend? Um, what does our culture mean? Uh, how does our culture's view of friendship shape our view as followers of Jesus Christ and in what ways might we want to, uh, to push back or to live differently. I believe that friendship is one of the greatest blessings we enjoy as human beings uh, and yet I think true friendship is undervalued in our society, um, that friendship has been cheapened and that we desperately need to uh, nurture it, cherish it, perhaps even revitalize and resuscitate it uh, in order for us to flourish as beings who are created in the image of a triune God. And so I want to do two things this morning. Uh, First, I want to look at how we've thought about friendship over the course of history, particularly in the West, since we're in the West, and to look at how our view of friendship has shifted in the recent past. And then second, I want to offer a a charge or a challenge uh, based on that consideration of friendship. Um, So let's start with the history lesson. Uh, In the eyes of ancient thinkers, friendship was a rare thing, exceedingly precious Uh, requiring unusual qualities of character. Um, It wasn't easy to come by, but when you did find it, you had acquired something special. Um, It was, in fact, often regarded as even rarer and more precious than other loves, uh, which had practical or biological justifications. Um, The ancient world was marked by strong bonds of kinship and strong allegiances to kingdoms. Um, You were expected to be loyal to your family, and you were expected to be loyal to those who ruled over you. Um, a relationship that was simply elective uh, in which you just chose to be bonded or committed to someone, um, not because of one of those pre-existing connections or because of an amorous or erotic desire, uh, but simply because you chose to, uh, was regarded as exceptional or extraordinary. Um, It was sometimes even considered a little subversive. Uh, To give a biblical example, uh, part of what would have made Jonathan and David's friendship Um, so remarkable in the Old Testament was that it flourished despite the disapproval of Jonathan's father and David's king, uh, the King Saul. Or to use a classical 
example from Homer's Iliad, which hopefully some of you have read. All right, shout out for the classics. Um, uh, Achilles' relationship with Patroclus was notable uh, in that story because it outweighed his commitment to the Greek cause. Achilles wouldn't fight with the Trojans um, simply based on his loyalty to Agamemnon and the Greek mission. But when Hector, the Trojan hero, um, killed his friend Patroclus, uh, well, then it was on and Achilles went nuts. Um, so those relationships stood out. Um, they were unusual in the ancient world because they were purely elective. They were just chosen. Um, the classical view of friendship was famously captured uh, by the great Roman statesman and orator Cicero in his treatise uh, De Amicitia, or On Friendship, written in 44 BC. I just got my latest version published in 2018, so it's still uh, being published these days. Cicero celebrated friendship as, quote, the finest and most beautiful adornment of life. Nothing we have from the gods is better or more enjoyable than friendship. Um, he said it was a remarkable relationship because it was not utilitarian, uh, not a relationship one entered into for what one could get out of it. Um, he wrote that, quote, friendship arises from nature itself rather than from any need, along with an inclination of the soul joined with a sense of love rather than a calculation of how useful the relationship might be. A true friendship was formed out of mutual admiration for the virtue evident in the other and served as a catalyst for the cultivation of virtue in each of the friends. And though Cicero was a pagan, his common grace insights into friendship have been cited by numerous Christian authors over the centuries. Uh, among those who drew on Cicero was St. Augustine, who provides in his confessions a wonderful image of the activities of friends. And ask yourself if this sounds like something you might have uh, been able to write about your friends. Augustine writes, there were other things which occupied my mind in the company of my friends. To make conversation, to share a joke, to perform mutual acts of kindness, to read together well-written books, to share in trifling and in serious matters, to disagree, though without animosity, just as a person debates with himself, and in the very rarity of disagreement, to find the salt of normal harmony, to teach each other something, or to learn from one another, to long with impatience for those absent, to welcome them with gladness on their arrival. These and other signs come from the heart of those who love and are loved. Now, in the classical view, uh, the aim of friendship was mutual improvement uh, for both parties in the friendship to pursue virtue together. Um, the role of the friend was to call one toward the good, the true, and the beautiful by offering encouragement and counsel and correction. Um, friendship wasn't just about hanging out. Uh, it was about growth together toward a fuller and more virtuous humanity. And that perspective contrasts sharply with modern views of friendship, about which I'll say more in a few minutes uh, that classical view of friendship endured throughout the medieval and early modern periods of history and found one of its mo most articulate Christian spokesmen in C.S. Lewis, um, on whom I want to focus for a few minutes here. Uh, Lewis is a really good guide on this subject. Most of us probably know him for his writing. Uh, I suspect many of you are probably also aware of the unusual and powerful circle of friends that he had in the Inklings. And Lewis wrote specifically about friendship in his book, the Four Loves, uh, where he distinguishes between affection, friendship, eros, and charity. And we don't have time to look at all four loves today, um, but in his treatment of friendship, Lewis notes that the ancients celebrated friendship as, quote, the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life and the school of virtue. 
And it becomes clear over the course of his essay that Lewis holds friendship in equally high regard. Um, In discussing what a gift true friendship is, Lewis writes that in such a relationship, quote, each member of the circle feels in his secret heart humbled before all the rest. Sometimes he wonders what he is doing there among his betters. He is lucky beyond dessert to be in such good company, especially when the whole group is together. Each brings out all that is best, wisest, or funniest in all the others. Those are the golden sessions when four or five of us, after a hard day's walking, have come to our inn. When our slippers are on, our feet spread out toward the blaze, and our drinks at our elbows, when the whole world and something beyond the world opens itself to our minds as we talk, and no one has any claim on or any responsibility for another, but all are free men and equals, as if we had first met an hour ago, while at the same time an affection mellowed by the years enfolds us. Life, natural life, has no better gift to give. Who could have deserved it? I suspect uh, most of you can identify with the sweetness of that sort of gathering of friends that Lewis describes in this passage, as well as the awe and wonder of finding yourself in that sort of company. Maybe you've had that experience on a road trip or at a table in the library or in your dorm room or in the great hall uh, where maybe you thought, these are my people. Lewis identifies a number of distinctive features of real or true friendship. Um, First, he points out, as have others, that friendship is the least natural of the loves, Um, that it's the least, in his words, instinctive, organic, biological, gregarious, and necessary. Uh, In other words, um, humans don't have to have uh, a biological, or humans don't have a a biological need for friendship, Um, nor is, is it a feature of the natural kinship structures that exist in human societies. Um, As Lewis puts it, quote, friendship is unnecessary. Um, And I apologize to advance to the philosophy and art departments. Um, He says, friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. (laughs) Like the universe itself, for God did not need to create. Um, It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. And it was this very fact, as I mentioned a moment ago, that made friendship so marvelous in the eyes of ancient authors. Uh, You chose it, though you didn't need it. And hence it had a special quality shared by none of the other loves. Um, And as I mentioned before, that voluntary aspect of friendship made it a bit suspicious in the eyes of some, um, as it had the potential to serve as a ground or the arena for subversive and rebellious activity. Think again of Saul uh, and his view of David and Jonathan's friendship. So that's Lewis's first observation. His second uh, the second thing he highlights is the unique origination or purpose uh, or pr- perspective of friendship. Um, it arises when two or more companions discover, quote, that they have something in, or they have in common some insight or interest or even taste. Um, Lewis writes that companions may have thought they were the only ones who have a particular insight um, or interest. In his words, quote, the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, What? you too? I thought I was the only one. Sort of like if I were to say, what? You like 16th century Carthusian monks too? I thought I was the only one. I actually have never had that conversation, just for the record. Um, Elsewhere in his essay, Lewis elaborates on this characteristic by pointing out that while, quote, lovers are always talking to one another about their love, friends hardly ever talk about their friendship. Lovers are normally face-to-face, absorbed in each other. Um, Friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. 
So friendship is a unique sort of love for the fact that it arises not out of one person being interested in another, but out of two or more people discovering that they're interested in or love the same thing. Um, as Lewis says, you will not find the warrior, the poet, the philosopher, or the Christian by staring in his eyes as if he were your mistress. Better fight beside him, read with him, argue with him, pray with him. Um, now that doesn't mean that, that friends don't love each other. Uh, Lewis makes clear, uh, quote, the common quest or vision which unites friends does not absorb them in such a way that they remain ignorant or oblivious of one another. On the contrary, it is the very medium in which their mutual love and knowledge exist. And Lewis's third big point on the love of friendship is that because of this communalistic character of friendship, it is the, quote, least jealous of the loves. Um, When love is built around a a common or a shared interest, then, quote, two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth if only the newcomer is qualified to become a real friend. Um, And when this sort of addition happens, friends will simply say, here comes one who will augment our loves. If a friendship is rooted in a common object of love or love of a common object as opposed to love of one another, um, then adding more to the circle of friends is a positive, uh, not a negative. Lewis writes that, quote, in this kind of love, do you love me means do you see the same truth or at least do you care about the same truth? Uh, For Lewis, the man who agrees with us that some question little regarded by others is of great importance can be our friend. Um, He need not agree with us about the answer. So, for example, Chaplain Lowe and I might both be concerned about the question, what is the greatest 80s movie? Is it The Breakfast Club? Top Gun? Dead Poet Society? Red Dawn? I don't know. We may not have the same answer to that question, um, but we're united around a question, and hence we can be friends. I mean, he, can, he and I can be friends for other reasons too, but that's an example. Um, it's, it's the multidimensional nature of friendship, the fact that, that it's a love that can exist between multiple parties, not just between two persons, uh, that leads to one of the most distinctive dynamics of this love, that the loss of one member of a group of friends, um, which you could easily think would provide opportunity for deeper relationship between remaining members, Um, in fact, impoverishes the friendship. Uh, As Lewis puts it when he's reflecting on his friendship with his fellow Inklings and on the death of the novelist Charles Williams, who was one of the Inklings, um, he writes, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. Think about that. Uh, In your circle of friends, there are aspects of your friends that can only be drawn out by a particular member of your circle. And when that person is gone, so too are those aspects of your friends. So according to Lewis and to others before him, friendship is a rare and a unique sort of love, an elective bond, and hence a little bit subversive, between those who share a common interest or aim that elicits from members of a circle characteristics or contributions that might otherwise go unrealized. Um, It's a relationship that's honed in conversation, that's aimed toward bringing out the best in each person involved, toward propelling them toward the good and the true and the beautiful. 
Now, is that how our world thinks about friendship or about being friends today? Uh, I can tell you that that's not the sort of relationship I have or used to have with my quote-unquote friends on Facebook. Um, In fact, our contemporary understanding of friendship, uh, its character and its purpose has been shifting for some time. Uh, In an excellent essay entitled Faux Friendship, uh, William Dershowitz traces our culture's uh, shifting thinking about friendship, pointing to economic factors such as the depersonalization of commercial relationships and social factors such as the breakdown of traditional family and kinship structures uh, that have led us to conceive of friendship very differently than men and women did in centuries prior. Um, We've adopted uh, a view of friendship that sociologist Robert Bella scornfully calls uh, therapeutic friendship. Um, We don't judge, we support unconditionally, we validate one another's feelings and help one another feel good. In Dershowitz's words, um, quote, we want our friendships fun and friction-free. Now, in addition to economic and social factors, Dershowitz also points to technology and particularly to social media as a significant contributor to the decline of true friendship in our society. Um, He worries that, quote, friendship is devolving from a relationship to a feeling, from something people share to something each of us hugs privately to ourselves in the loneliness of our electronic caves, rearranging the tokens of connection like a lonely child playing with dolls. Uh, Just as true community has been replaced in our world by a sense of community, um, true friendship has has been replaced by a sense of friendship. Um, Instead of having real conversations, we are, in Dershowitz's words, just broadcasting our stream of consciousness to all 500 of our friends at once, hoping that someone, anyone, will confirm our existence by answering back. Uh, MIT professor Sherry Turkle expresses similar concerns in a book entitled Reclaiming Conversation, uh, she, report, re, she points to research that indicates that empathy, um, which the Oxford English Dictionary defines as the ability to understand and appreciate another person's feelings, experience, etc., which is essential to friendship, um, she points out that it is created in face-to-face conversations, in real-time interactions between physically proximate uh, embodied human beings. Um, this sort of interaction, having a conversation, uh, is risky. Um, In her her words, quote, the back and forth of unrehearsed real-time conversation is something that makes you unnecessarily vulnerable. Um, She calls that vulnerability, conversational vulnerability, unnecessary because it's possible to avoid it um, by mediating your interactions with others through technology and hence maintaining the ability to edit your interactions. Um, You can carefully craft and edit a text message or a snap, or an Instagram post. Um, You can't exercise the same sort of control in a real-time face-to-face conversation. Um, And it's those very conversations where we develop the capacity for empathy, um, and hence the capacity for true friendship. I think Lewis would have concurred with Turkle on the importance of vulnerability for friendship. Um, He wrote, quote, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. All right, well, so what? Uh, So what if we lose the capacity for deep, rich, the deep, rich sort of friendship that the ancients celebrated and that Lewis describes so vividly? Well, it's it's that sort of friendship that draws out the best in us, um, even as it exposes some of our faults and weaknesses or sin proclivities. It's that sort of friendship that hones 
our God-given gifts, even as it chips away at the aspects of our character that might need refining. It's that sort of friendship in which we wrestle with and sharpen ideas and commitments that shape the course of our lives and also in which we might come to abandon some ideas through the good counsel of our friends. Um, It's that sort of friendship that serves as an arena for the pursuit of virtue, for the common effort to develop in ourselves via our relationships with one another, the qualities of a godly life that are so difficult to nurture in isolation. Uh, We certainly need uh, this sort of friendship here at Covenant College. Um, Mark Schwain, uh, in an excellent little book entitled Exiles from Eden, Religion, and the Academic Vocation in America, argues that, quote, academies at their best can and should become communities where the pleasure of friendship and the rigors of work are united. And this is because, in his words, without the virtue of friendship, academic life threatens to become a mere technological project. Our project here at Covenant College is not simply a technological one. We're not simply about the chore providing diplomas to graduates who demonstrate the ability to regurgitate certain bits of data on final exams. Um, So we need to cultivate friendships here for the sake of our academic mission. And we also need to cultivate them, this sort of friendship, as followers of Jesus Christ. Um, You are all familiar, I'm sure, with Proverbs 27, 17. Uh, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And I think we all know how much we need the support and encouragement of fellow believers as we struggle with our own sin and seek to walk faithfully in a world that doesn't understand us. Um, hence, Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 reminds us, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, or as Abraham Kuyper put it, he is your friend who pushes you nearer to God. Now, I suspect that in many respects I am preaching to the choir or at least the orchestra um, on this issue. I hope and assume that for all of you, the formation of deep, meaningful friendships has been a defining feature of your time at Covenant, um, whether you've been here for one or four or even six years. Um, That was certainly the case for me. Um, I developed in my time at Covenant friendships that have challenged and sustained me for decades um, as I've walked through life with guys who I first encountered, um, first had that, ah, you too moment that Lewis describes um, here on this campus. Those friendships are among Uh, my most cherished treasures for my time at Covenant and my most cherished treasures in my life. Um, If we had a big screen, I was going to show you guys a picture of my friends. There it is. Can you see it? You can all see it. So that's from five years ago. That's the five of us in front of Carter Hall having a little reunion. You can't see it. We're all wearing, we have our own logo and we're all wearing our t-shirt with our logo. You can't see it in that picture, can you? Uh, I, give, I give thanks to God for Adam, Brian, Chris, and Marshall, otherwise known as Need, BP, Hitch, and Brocker, uh, who are all concerned with the question of what it looks like to walk faithfully as men who are committed to Christ and who have stood alongside me in times of grief and sorrow, uh, joy and celebration, pain and confusion, Um, gratitude and wonder. Uh, I think you know friends are a gift. And so I want to challenge you to do three things. Um, First, do whatever you can to nurture true friendships, um, which means do whatever you can to make time and space for real, in-person, face-to-face conversation with your friends. Um, Certainly take advantage of the gift of technology to keep you connected to people that you know, or perhaps to introduce you to people you don't yet know. But do not abandon the blessing of being in the same place uh, of 
sharing and face-to-face interaction with your friends. Um, For those of you who will move on from Covenant in May, uh, it's going to become harder. Um, But trust me, it will be worth it for you if you pursue this sort of friendship intentionally. So go ahead now and commit um, to being together face-to-face even after you leave this place. Uh, Commitment of this sort uh, is is not normal in our culture, um, but it is of immense benefit. Secondly, uh, be judgmental. Not in the nasty sort of way that Jesus condemns uh, when he says in the Sermon on the Mount, judge not lest you be judged, uh, but be willing to confront, uh, be willing to challenge, uh, willing to sharpen one another. Don't settle for the friction-free friendship that's become so popular in the modern world, uh, for the therapeutic friendship that's all about affirmation. I mean, we do need to affirm at times, um, but not at all about challenge. Um, Iron sharpening iron involves friction. Um, or as the great French essayist uh, Michel de Montaigne put it, quote, those who venture to criticize us perform a remarkable act of friendship. For to undertake to wound and offend a man for his own good is to have a healthy love for him. Or you might be more familiar with the way it's put in Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. My third uh, encouragement to you is to be rebellious. I mentioned in passing that friendship was often viewed in the ancient world as somewhat subversive because it wasn't rooted in normal bonds of kinship or kingdom. Uh, Lewis has this to say about the subversive dimension of friendship. Uh, He writes, every real friendship is a sort of secession, even a rebellion. It may be a rebellion of serious thinkers against accepted claptrap or of faddists against accepted good sense of real artists against popular ugliness, or of charlatans against civilized taste, of good men against the badness of society, or of bad men against its goodness. I would encourage you and challenge you to make your friendships the center of your little rebellion, Uh, a rebellion against the prince of this world, against the fallenness of our culture, against the indwelling sin that so easily entangles us. Make your friendships a source of strength and a center for your scheming in your battle against the brokenness in our world, whether that's in your own life or in your family or in your job or in your community or in your nation. Um, Gather your group of friends and find ways to bear witness together to the preeminence of Christ in all things. So let me, let me close with this. Um, Lewis pointed out that friendship is unique because it's based not on love for other party or parties, but on a common love or interest. Um, As Christians, your friendship will be the fullest and richest when they, your friendships will be the fullest and richest when they're built on a common love for Christ. Um, Aylred of Riveau, who was a 12th century monk and who authored an important treatise entitled On Spiritual Friendship, um, had this to say, the right kind of friendship between us should begin in Christ, be maintained according to Christ, and have its end and value referred to Christ. Uh, May Christ, um, the friend who sticks closer than a brother, be the root and ground and the end and aim of your friendships, that through them, your friendships, he might be glorified and you might enjoy the fullest blessing of the remarkable gift of friendship. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for a friend like Jesus who would lay down his life for us. 
And we thank you for the friendship that we enjoy as brothers and sisters who are united in a common love for our Savior and our King. Father, help us to be good friends to one another, um, to sharpen one another. Help us to be subversive in the sense that we gather uh, with one another uh, to fight back against the darkness in the world. Would you use our friendships to bring honor and glory uh, to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.